words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. And this morning, um, just want to share a few thoughts about coming into the year. Um, the certain things that were impressed in my spirit and everything, crossover, Pierre's message last week, or AI's message last week, were just just building on everything that was in my spirit. And um, if I had really penned down what I wanted to share when she came last week, a few of the things she said just, so if I say things she said, it's okay. The spirit is speaking expressly. But this is one year that we need to be very, very circumspect about as we approach it. And it's good that we're hearing these things early in the year. So it helps us to calibrate right. A few scriptures, I just want to frame certain things that have just been in my spirit from late last year that will signpost this year. One is Hebrews 12, 26 and 27. I'll read the Amplified Version. It says, Then at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he has given a promise Yet, once more, I will shake and make tremble not only the earth, but also the starry heavens. It says, now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. The King James says that those things that are rooted or have, are, are rooted will not be shaken. The second scripture is John 16, 33. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It says, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Third scripture is Genesis 13, 14 to 15. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. It says, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And if you know anything, Lot, Abram had told Lot to choose first, and Lot chose the east part. But when God said to him, look, as far as you could see, east, west, inclusive of what Lord God he had given. And what started being clear to me that this year was going to be a, a mixed year. But you have to keep your eye on what God is saying. So yes, on the one hand, he's going to shake things. And you know, the kind of shaking, you know, if you've watched all those science fiction movies when they're going into Mach 4 speed, and that, that kind of shaking, it will shake well, well. It will shake everything and everybody. It says, but those things that are rooted remain. So the shaking is not the issue. It's your rooting that's the issue. Because if you are not rooted, you'll be shaken off. So the thing you must be most concerned about is being rooted so that you will not be shaken off. 
in John 3, uh, 13, it also says that, or John 16, it says that there will be tribulations and trials. This is a be of good cheer, I have overcome. So in spite of the shakings, the trials, the tribulations, his message is, I have overcome. And so much as you should not approach the shakings with fear, you should approach it with an understanding that in spite of those shakings, you're going to come out on top. Because the scripture in Genesis is where he said to Abraham, as far as you can see, I have given. So the only constraint is whether you see. And so that's for me, frames the year. It's a year that anything can happen if you believe. If you can see and frame it, it can happen. But it is not going to be an easy year. So you need to brace yourself. And God took my mind back to 2018. It was a, it was a tough year for me. Um, very stretching year. Very, very stretching. And by December, I was maxed out. And we went for vacation. I was really spent and drained. But while we were out, it was a night I couldn't sleep. Uh, my wife and daughter were asleep. I couldn't sleep. I was feeling um, allergies and just, I was just frustrated that night. I couldn't sleep. And I, I just kind of was just trying to pray since I couldn't sleep. And what God dropped in my spirit is that all year I've been trying to get your attention. You've been too busy. And that this is the only way I can get your attention. And report to my remembrance we were on a flight and there was a little turbulence. And you know, in the, and the, 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 when there's a safety message before the flight, they will tell you, um, exit door is here and they tell you to brace for impact and that's what was highlighted brace for impact and I, I typically would not write I wrote it down surprisingly and I mean I forgot about it but that became my mindset that I need to brace for whatever would come because if an accident a plane crash happens the difference between you living or dying or having broken bones is your posture so if you brace you can handle it when it comes and in February, something happened that the next year that just totally upended things for me and orchestrated my having to come back to Lagos unexpected, totally unexpected, overnight. But that's when that scripture came back that that's what God had prepared me for. And so I was able to go through that season even though I didn't know it was going, it caught me by surprise, it caught everyone by surprise, but because of that word God had given, I was able to be prepared. And that's what he brought to my mind, that brace for impact. For 2024 will be that kind of year, there will be impact. The impact is not the issue, it's your being prepared for the impact that matters. And so if you don't hear me say anything else, just hear that, that it doesn't matter what the year brings. What matters is your response. Because at the end of the day, you will be standing. Even if you had to lie down part of the day with the way and all that, don't look at what happens in the way. Look at where you're going. Because the year will be good year. But it'll be a tough year. Amen. You're too quiet too. And so, 
in that frame, that's where the theme came to mind and manna ceased. Um, if we look at Joshua chapter 5, Joshua 5, 11 to 12 is where the scripture, there's that, that phrase comes from. It says, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. It says, then the manna ceased on the day after that they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So remember, they were 40 years in the wilderness. And when they left Egypt, there was no food. They were complaining. And God said, I will send bread every day, every morning. And then in the evening, I will send you meat. And so every day, without fail, for 40 years, manna would fall from heaven. And they would eat. Till they were satisfied. But he says, on this day, they went into the land. So they must have eaten the manna that morning. And then it was Passover. And remember, Passover from Exodus was the day that they left Egypt. And it was a day of separation. God brought them out. And they had to celebrate Passover with unleavened bread, meat of whatever animal they had killed. And that was instituting an event, something that God instituted for eternity. So they had to have that. And so they got unleavened bread from the land. When it talks of parched grain, you know, it means it has to be dried. It's prepared. So there's something that you have to do to get what you eat. And it says from the next day, manna ceased. So that meant for them to eat, they had to produce from the land. They had to harvest. And so what that portended, the time of manna was a time of grace. That every morning, without doing anything, you got food. But from here on, the only way you will eat is that you harvest and produce the food. And so that point in time changed. And so for me, this year is a time where manna has ceased. Grace is no longer what you rely on alone, but it's what you do based on what God has said that's going to define how the year will go. It's not a year for the faint-hearted. It's not a year for the lazy. It's not a year that things will just happen. If they did happen before now and you didn't have to pray much or do anything, it's not going to be that kind of year. And so it will do you some good to take time to go and study at least the first six chapters of Joshua because it signposts how they took the land. Remember, God had made a promise that you will enter this land. I've given it to you. In the time of Moses, they roamed around for 40 years. But in Joshua, they possessed the land. And the pattern for possession is what you need to study. I'll just pick a few things from this scripture. They had roamed around for 40 years. 
And if you know anything about, if you look through the Bible, biblical maps, you see that they were just going around and around and around and around. It's not that they went far. They were going like motion without movement. They were just roaming. But when the time came for them to go in, there were certain things that had to shift for them to step in. And so what that also tells me is, you know, you say, the Bible says God is a God of times and seasons. We must be sensitive to recognize the times. And time, not in the context of chronos or chronological time. And that's one of the things God highlighted to me that we are too fastidious about end of year, beginning of year. His year starts when he starts. And if you are too focused on the time in terms of chronos, you miss him. Because many times he starts something even before the end of the year. And if you're thinking of the beginning of the year or waiting to the beginning of the year, you miss him. That's what he did for me in 2018. Before the year came, I already knew. And it became a pattern because the next year, in December, in 2018, this 2019 December, in early December, I started getting agitation. It's like what I kept hearing was actively seek me. It's, you know, in December, every ministry will have a major um, service that they will be speaking about the next year. So there's Shiloh, there's Redeemed, everything's happening. He says, block your ears and listen to me actively. And I began to download certain things. I mean, as a vigil, I used to go for every Friday and almost every vigil I went for, I'll be hearing something. And it, it said, what it dropped in my spirit was, you need to hear me. Because if you don't hear me, you go into the year, they say it's a year of superfluous, fantabulous abundance. You'll be rejoicing. He says, what if by the 15th of January, something happens that wipes out everything? You will lose your faith. And then, when I restore, say by June 15th, like I restored Job, many would have already fallen by the wayside because what they heard on the first and what they saw on the 15th was and I don't know why I thought those dates but COVID hit the next year it's someone that reminded me in, 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 in around June that you said by June 15th something will change that maybe COVID was going to lift I said I don't know that one or I didn't hear COVID <laughs> but what I'm trying to illustrate is he already prepared my mind for that kind of situation and so I understand that God, it doesn't move with time the way we see it. Because we would wait for the end of the quarter or the end of the year to begin to prepare. He can start preparing you from September. And your new year is October. And if you're not sensitive, you miss him. We must be very sensitive. Let me pick a few things. Um, from this story. Now, if you back up to uh, in, in verse 10 of that scripture, very surprising, very amusing. Joshua 5, verse 10. It says, Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. What's today's date? 
I just smiled when I was reading this. It says, on the 14th day, they camped at Gilgal. It was Passover. Passover signifies a new dawn, a new day. And he says, it was then that they ate of the food of the land and the next day manna ceased. Today is like a crossover for us. Hear me and hear me well. It's how you receive it that is going to matter. But if you are partaking of manna, if you are partaking of the fruit of the land, from tomorrow, manna will cease. Your mindset has to change. Once manna ceased and they began to, it was now time to possess the land. And you see, that's why I say go and read Joshua 1 to 6 and just see the patterns. But you see, in what was to come, because the next thing they did was, God had, this was just after he had parted the Jordan. You know, he, Joshua had said, the priest should step into the Jordan with the ark. And the waters parted and they crossed on dry ground right in front of Jericho. And Jericho was the first place they were to take. No matter how contentious the year should, will be, one thing you must keep in mind is what you will see in this scripture. Because God had already put the fear of Israel in the hearts of the enemy. So whatever you will face is not the issue. God has already given you and wired you with what you need to overcome. You should not be afraid of what you see. Because if you go back to Joshua chapter 2, when the spies came and met Rahab, in verses 9 to 11, it says, and Rahab said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. It says, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And so there was already fear in these people without even seeing, just knowing what God had done. And then God now comes and does the Jordan right in front of Jericho. You don't, you don't, need, to, you don't need to do too much. But you know, in your own heart, fear. You're thinking Jericho was a city straightly shut in. He says the walls of Jericho were so broad that you could ride two chariots side by side on the walls of Jericho. So it was thick. So it was impenetrable supposedly. But God had given them victory if they were to give in to fear. That's why every time the angel will come he will tell you fear not. The issue is not the mountain. 
The issue is not the Goliath. The issue is whether you trust me or you're wired or connected to me. And that's going to have to be your mindset this year. It is not your position you will face. That is the issue. It's whether God is with you or whether he has said. In Joshua 5, chapter, uh, verse 1, this is after he has done the Jordan. It says, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. It says that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At this point, they have given up. All they did was lock themselves in, but the children of Israel wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. So many times you are facing an opposition, you don't know that the, the opposition is even afraid of you. So you'll be there worrying and thinking, I can't do it. All you need to do is go, and the opposition will fall. No, really. Because how did they take Jericho? They were just strolling around the place, running around, they just shouted, the walls fell down. Those thick walls that they said could not, they came down. Is God with you? That's what you need to worry about this year. Or rather, make sure you are with him. Mm -mm, not is he with you. He's always with you. But it's whether you are with him, that's the problem. Because he might be here, then you are strolling in a different direction. <laughs> Another thing God brought to my heart to make me, make, I just want to underscore that I just keep hearing, fear not, fear not. Because it's like some of us are facing some major giants ahead this year. And we're thinking, how am I going to do this? And God is saying, before you get there, you know, he says, before you call, I've answered. And you know that his answering is not when you call. He has already put the answer there. So when you call, it's just the answer will just come. Jacob and Laban. When Jacob ran away, Laban chased him. And Jacob was afraid that he would take him out. But you see, an angel had gone to Laban the night before and told him, don't as much as talk to him anyhow. Not even talk, talk of touching him. And when Laban caught up with Jacob, he said, why did you leave? without telling me and do, don't allow me to say, Baba, do you not have it in my power to, to do, to harm you? He said, but the angel of the Lord told me, I shouldn't even talk to you. So Jacob was there afraid, running, even Esau. God had gone ahead. It was God that told him, go back to the land of your, your father's birth, of your birth. So all the fear he had for Esau, was unnecessary. The giants you have before you, fear not. Hearken to the word of the Lord and be ready and you will take those giants. I just want to share a few things quickly um, that you need to help to put before you in this year. that will make you effective in the year. 
Five things. I hope I can get through all of them. The first one is circumcision or consecration. If you see the preceding chapter of Joshua, I think it was four, three or four. No, it's, I think it's that same five. That God said to them, um, he said to Joshua, before, now it's time to take the land. But before you move forward, you need to circumcise all the males. The circumcision was a sign of his covenant with Israel. He had cut that covenant with Abraham. That this will be a sign eternally between me and you. All the males shall be circumcised. And it says all those who left from Egypt were circumcised. But those born in the wilderness were not. And all those who left Egypt save Joshua and Caleb died. So the people who are going to go in to the land were uncircumcised. So they were not in covenant with God. And so before they could make a move, this is after they have, God has made all the spirits in Jericho people to go. This is after Jordan had parted. So all they needed to do was go in. But you cannot go into the things of God if you're not circumcised or consecrated. This year, there's a heightened need and demand for consecration. Because God is not... <laughs> this year is not like other years. The level of judgment that is going to happen. And you know, God always starts his judgment in the church. The level of judgment is going to be unprecedented. Because the level he needs to take us into is also unprecedented. You know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about new arrivals, new demons that a children will face. This generation is facing things that our parents' generation could not handle. Our children, when they are parents, their children will face much worse than we are facing now. The only thing that can withstand is a life that is consecrated to God. In this generation, I was listening to a message yesterday that just really resonated with me very well. He says, this generation doesn't answer. There's so much wisdom, knowledge. Even AI can produce a message. AI, not Apostle Isio. AI. Uh -huh. There's a, a church in Germany two months ago that it was a, an AI being that pre preached the sermon. Yes. You can just say, uh, chat GPT, brought me a sermon on repentance. It will do it. It says even the elect could easily be deceived. That's the generation we live in. So it's not knowledge or wisdom. The thing this generation and subsequent ones will answer to is the power of God. And we have been saying the power of God, there's, there's no more power in the church. There's power. It's just not in your hand, that's all. And it's not in your hand for a reason. You're not consecrated enough. It had always been God's plan that we will be carriers of his glory. 
right from beginning. You know, in the Old Testament, you see the manifestation is that the Spirit will come upon a man and then he will do things and he will lift from him. But it was always God's plan that the Spirit will dwell in us. We will carry his glory. That was always his plan. And you see the progression to John. In the womb, the Spirit was there with him. And that's why the scripture says, of all men born of women, it says none is greater than John the Baptist. Because he was operating with the unction of the Spirit with him in the womb. So he says none before him, not Elijah, not anyone. John didn't perform, he didn't even cure headache. He didn't do anything. But he was greater than all of them. He says, but the least in my kingdom will be greater than John. So you are greater than John. Why? Because the spirit dwells in you. That was always God's plan. But the measure of the spirit that dwells in you is dependent on your consecration and yieldedness to God. His plan had always been that he would dwell fully, bodily in you. But he cannot dwell where there's sin. So the more you relieve yourself of everything that is not right, the more he can dwell in you. And the more you have of him, even the enemy cannot overcome you. And so Jesus said to Peter, the enemy has sought to sift you like wheat. He says, but I have already prayed, so nothing will happen. And then you see the metamorphosis of Peter after Jesus left. This year, consecration is critical. Because it's the thing that will keep you. Remember, in Exodus, it says, put the blood on the doorpost of your house. When the angel of death comes, he will pass over. That's what consecration is going to do. Yesterday, from this scripture, was Passover. Today is the 14th. Tomorrow is a new day. How's that day going to be for you? Purpose in your heart that you're going to consecrate. Because the way the world is going, the world is sweet. And you'll, just be, you'll be leading you in the wrong direction. Very well. The only thing that will overcome the Babylon system is a carrier of the divine glory. He says in Peter that he wants to make us partakers of the divine nature. Second thing I want to deal with is we must come into divine alignment. God's plan and purpose for your life has been determined from the foundations of the earth. Many of us have been skirting around and around and not getting there. This year is very critical you get into that space because it's a year of distinction. Matthew 25 
Since November, this scripture has just been plaguing me. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. It's a year where God is going to start separating. 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he says, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. He says, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you drink. He says, when did we see you a stranger or take, and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he speaks to those on the left. And he says the opposite to them. That you can't enter the kingdom because you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And the same question, when did we not do it to you? We didn't see you. And he says, as long as you didn't do it to the least, you didn't do it to me. There's going to be such a distinction this year between the sheep and the goats. And it's your actions, your thought patterns that are going to define the criteria for whether you go or not is going to be what you not your works because another scripture talks about those who come and say he says depart from me I know you not and they say in your name we cast out devils in your name we did this in your name we saved souls and he says I knew you not that all those things you did and for me that's the most fearful thing that everything you've done is like going to write a math exam Right? and you read algebra you will so fail but many of us are at risk of that because we are following a different pattern that God didn't send us you would think and that for me is the stark reality we are taken in by the supernatural or things that show power we should be but they shouldn't eat you up because when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, the one that is more precious to God is the fruit. The gift anybody can manifest, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You can manifest powerfully and be such a demonic person. Wicked. In Isaiah 58, it says, what fast are you doing? The fast where you treat your help wrongly and all that. I don't want that kind of fast. I want a fast where you're yielded. And so the criteria for those who were called in were those who had shown compassion. Search your heart this year as you consecrate yourself 
That's what's going to set you apart for distinction. But it is going to be a year of distinction. Let your actions. You see, because God doesn't look at your actions alone. He looks at the motives behind your actions. So many of us, out externally, we look like we're, we're all that. But yeah, as Benima was saying, nothing, nothing. You know, recently I was just reading and, and, and a, certain, a, com, a number of things struck me. Most of the people Jesus commended were not Jews. They were foreigners. People who have the right heart, more often than not, they were Samaritans. And you know the Samaritans were hated of the Jews. So the good Samaritan, a man was robbed and left for dead by the wayside. A priest comes, one called by God. He just crosses to the other side. A Levite comes, another one called by God. He crosses to the other side too. They should have the compassion of God. But yet, it was a Samaritan, just a regular Samaritan. The guy didn't want to know whether the guy's nationality, whether Osibo, Yoruba, or Hausa, or anything. He's a wounded man. He needs help. Let me help him. I've thrown a dart at us, Nigeria. We are now first an ethnic group before we are Nigeria. The 10 lepers. I was surprised to see that that one who came back was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, all those who are, that means all the others were Jews. Because he said, this foreigner has come to say thank you. Go and read it. He said, foreigner. That means the others were Jews. The Syrophoenician woman. They were all, they were all foreigners. The Roman centurion. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Those were indicting statements. That's why this year we must be set apart for God. Third thing, we need to build capacity proactively. Isaiah 54. Verses 2 and 3. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. It says, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Let me read the message version. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. Since you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. And so this is a scripture that people always shout amen to. Why? Because you're looking at verse three. The promise, ah, I'm going to, 
But two comes before three. You get why? When you count, you do one, two. Two comes before three. You first build the capacity that will carry that. Otherwise, you lose the harvest. And you know, God is not a God who keeps increasing you. He increases according to your ability. So the story, the parable of the talents, they issued to the three servants according to their ability, not just giving them, gave five because his ability was five, he gave two because his ability was two and he gave one because his ability was one. If you increase your ability or capacity, he increases what you get. So this year is so critical that you expand your capacity. Build yourself. Because what will come? God, there's a principle with God. In Deuteronomy 7, he said, I will not give you this land that I've promised you in one year. Lest the beasts of the field devour you. He says, little by little I will give you. So many times we are thinking we should blow like that. God says you should do not blow. <laughs> he knows why. He knows the pitfalls that's, that come before you that could hold, take you out. Fourth thing is your posture in this year. Remember I said that the year is going to be a mixed bag. But what happens is not the issue. It's how you respond to what happens that matters. Your posture has to be one of alertness and preparedness. I call it the Nehemiah posture. Remember in the story of Gideon, it says the 300 who were chosen, the reason they were chosen was the way they drank. It's amazing you know, HR interviewers, many times they just ask you questions just with you. They've already settled whether they'll take you or not. You won't know what you are being interviewed. They're just, you know. But they're looking at certain things to see whether you have those qualities. That's how God tested them. Just go and drink. You're thirsty. You know, when you're thirsty, you just want to bury your head in the water and just drink the whole thing. Those who bury themselves, they fail the exam without knowing. But those who would lap and just take scoop with their hands and drink, were led to any danger around. And those were the ones he chose. That there were 300 didn't matter. The issue was the qualification. That has to come in, in this year. Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18. It says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, they loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. This has to be your posture. Alert to what's happening. Ready with sword. Ready with building too. Because Samalat and Tobiah and the enemies were planning to come and kill them so that they wouldn't finish the work. And PI has been talking, AI has been talking about building. Keep that in your mind. You can have all the tools and know all the things to do. It just takes one enemy, one second that you lose focus. 
And you know, the enemy always plants in the night. It says, when, while men slept, he came and sowed tears, alertness. The fifth thing is to know your A-team. I just already spoke to that. Know your covenant people. Because there will be situations you will face that will max you out and you're, you're just, you're, you're, at your, you're at your wit's end. And it's those who are around you. Begin to know them because when you will need them, <laughs> it's not then you start looking for them. And many of us, we are overrun because we don't have those people beside us. David had mighty men. They weren't always mighty. When he was in the cave of Adullam, the people who came to him, apart from his family, were people who were in debt, in despair, depression. They were just every D word, they were it. He says, but they became mighty men. And they were very dependable. So much so that one day he was just thinking, ah, I just wish I could drink of the waters of the well of Bethlehem, the one in the front. And three mad guys just got up. Bethlehem was garrisoned by the Philistine army. They broke through. Every time I read that scripture, I remember Asterix and Obelix. And there are many, many Gen Z's here, so they won't know Asterix and Obelix. <laughs> How many people know Asterix and Obelix? They don't all know. Look back, they don't all know. <laughs> it says they broke through, fetched the water. That means they had to fight back again. And they brought that water. He just, he didn't command though. He just said, I wish I could drink. Just a wish. And they went to that extent. David said, I cannot drink this. It's your blood. And he poured it to God. Because those guys risked their lives just for a, a wish. I need those kind of people. I have them. No, not that I need them. I have them. I have those people. Make sure you have your A-team. Because there'll be seasons where you'll be overwhelmed and you need those people to pray with you, to stand with you, to push through. There are days you, you're just maxed out. You just don't feel like getting up. They're the ones who will ginger you. Even when they don't know what's going on, they just don't know why they reach out to you. Because God knows he can use them and they are committed to you. They're covenanted to you. And they will call you and say, I just sent something or he will put a dream in one of their mouths. And they will bring direction. Make sure you know them. Because it's not when you need them, you'll start looking for them. Because that's how they will bring lying prophets like they did to Ahab for you. They'll come and give you, or bring Ahitophel, who will give you wrong counsel. Mm -hmm. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Lord is saying. The sixth thing is that you must be a person of radical obedience. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Abraham, the Bible says, it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
because of what he did when he came to Isaac. He didn't question God. God said, sacrifice your son, your only son, your beloved son. Go and sacrifice him. He did it without batting an eyelid. There are demands God is going to make on you that will not be comfortable. Your ability to be obedient. What you need to be clear is that is God saying. You don't have to understand. Because God will always test you. He will always test you. It, he had promised Abraham. He says in you, he told him in Genesis 15, that look out, as many as you see the stars in the sky, that's how many children you have. Look at the sand on the shore, that's how many children you have. So I will make you a great nation. In fact, they will go through captivity for 400 years, then they will come out. He gave him the promise. But yet, in 22, he still told him, go and kill that son. After you have gotten the promise of Ishmael, you say he's not the one. Then you get this one, he says, you just go and sacrifice him. It doesn't make sense now. He will always test you. Even the manner he gave them. He says, tell them to take only the measure I said they should take. I want to test them. And they failed. Because they took more than they should take. And they think God rotten. <laughs> God will always test you. Obedience is better than sacrifice. There are going to be decisions that or things is going to ask of you that will stretch you. Purpose in your heart. One of the most challenging scriptures for me, I look at the character of Daniel and he challenges me a lot. Daniel 1.8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So it was a done deal. He said there was no question about it. He was not, even though it meant death. And you see that mindset in Daniel because when they passed, the king passed an edict after being tricked, that no man should pray unto anybody or God for 30 days except unto the king. He says, when Daniel knew that it had been signed, he went home and opened his windows and prayed as he had always done. He knew that the punishment was going to um, um, the lion's den. And those guys were very bad guys. They let him do money, afternoon, night. They, when they videoed everything, then took the evidence. So the king could not. He said the king tried. He was arguing this way. He could not because the evidence was overwhelming. They had video of money, afternoon, night. So there was no question. year it's going to be a good year but it's also going to be a very I don't want to use the word turbulent but it's going to have ups downs but the issue is not the ups and downs it's your positioning that matters when the scripture in Hebrews about shaking came up for me there was a picture it's, it's a couple of years ago God gave me a picture of a tsunami. I saw a picture that really blew my mind. The tsunami had happened in Asia. And that tsunami took 
skyscrapers and just like they were paper and just threw them in the sea. Then they brought cruise liners. You know, that those cruise liners are as big as skyscrapers and brought them to the shore. But there was one reed-like plant that was standing, still rooted after the tsunami. That reed is not a tree, a reed-like plant still standing. That picture has not left me. I wish I can find it again. Because it tells me that as far as you're rooted in God, nothing will shake you. That has to be your mindset this year. Because what it means is there are a lot of things that are going to happen that will cause your heart to fear. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so engage with God this year. So even though manna ceased, there was abundance. And all that held them back or what defined the level of abundance was their ability to work. The only constraint you have, like God said to Abraham, as far as your eyes can see, I've given you. So if all you can see is the four walls of four corners of this room, you have it. If you can see Dubai, New York, London, Singapore, from here, you have it. According to you, all your thoughts, that's what you have. Frame your mind. Frame your sight. Let us pray. I wanted to picture what kind of year you want. No, sorry. Not what you want. Because some people want Bugatti and things. Mm -hmm. What has God been dropping in your heart? What are the things he has been, what, have been, what has been talking at your heart to do? Things that you have a yearning that if you could, not just material things, things that if you could do, and it always is rooted, remember Matthew 25, in the things you do for others. What are those things? I'm beginning to picture what is needed to do this. And note it down. I'm beginning to pray through. Like God will give you direction and clarity. And so this year, you set those goals. You're going to see them come to pass. Because as you lay your hand to the plow, God is going to bless the work of your hands. But frame it for him. And begin to ask him, Lord, this year, I am not looking at time. I'm not looking at time as man knows it but I'm tapping into your timing your season this is a season where manna sees and my ability to store things the dimension of Joseph of the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine 
comes into play in this season. Your ability to harness what is available and store up is going to define you and distinguish you when the time comes. Your ability to be astute at market trends is going to define you. When markets will collapse because of certain decisions you made, things are going to place you in the forefront. And so, Father, we come before you. Impart to us by your Spirit, O oh God, those things that you have ordained for us to do in this year. As we set aside our lives to be consecrated unto you, Help us, O oh God, to engage. Help us to lay hold of that which you've set before us. Let this year not be a wasted year, Lord, but let it be one that brings us into the fullness of what you've called us to do and to be. Receive grace for the time ahead. Give us eyes, seeing eyes, eyes that see that see according to your patterns. Let us not be like Lot who saw lush ground but could not see where that land, that that land was cursed. Help us to see like Abraham beyond the physical. We pray for grace in this season. We pray for wisdom. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 